0: It's Market Monday on Gary and Shannon. Because everyone loves money. And alliteration sounds great on the radio. KFI AM
1: 640,
0: more stimulating talk. It is the Gary and Shannon Show. Brian suits filling in for... Gary, and it is Market Monday. Let's bring her on board. Rebecca Jarvis, ABC News, uh, Chief Biz Tech and uh, Economic Correspondent, host of the No Limits podcast, a terrific podcast. Uh, Hey, Rebecca, we've never spoken, but speaking of tech-wise, have you seen that the new trend in Silicon Valley is to have chickens? Did you see the Washington Post article? Yes.
2: Isn't this wild? This is our new world. We're going back to basics.
0: No, I I have chickens. You have chickens? But we live... I live up in the mountains, way north of L.A. I mean, we we have, you know, a rooster, which you you don't want a rooster in Pacific Heights in the middle of San Francisco. But, yeah, very, very wealthy tech people. That's the, the, the the new Tesla is a chicken.
2: So now you have a business plan, basically. You go in there and you teach them how to handle these chickens. You could make millions off of this.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. No, it's my, my daughter. By the way, go to go to uh, Raise Farm Eggs on Facebook, and uh, you can make an appointment and buy some eggs. That's fantastic. It's a great life. It's a, we've had a little, few too many life lessons lately because it turns out chickens die sometimes in horrible ways.
2: Oh well, that's terrible. I'm yeah. sorry to hear
0: that. Um. All right. Well, let's talk trade war. The president. It's been quite a weekend. The the, the week ending with Trump sort of surprising most of the Republican leadership that and most economists that you can win a trade war.
2: Yeah, nobody likes Wall Street doesn't like to hear the idea trade war floated as being something positive. And today you saw the market end higher, the Dow up 334 or so points. Really that that is partially because uh Washington has backed off of this idea. Um we've heard from um uh from a handful of leaders obviously last week we're saying to the president, no way, let's let's not go down this path. And it sounds like maybe the uh the pedal is not on the gas moving towards the the tariffs in the way at least that they were discussed, which the idea was that no one would be exempt, that the tariffs would be on steel and aluminum, on everybody. Now it seems like with for example, House Speaker Paul Ryan saying he's extremely worried about the trade plan, um that There's there's a chance that this plan, at least as it was originally laid out, might not be exactly what we get ultimately in law.
0: Um, The president for his and I'm I'm just reading remarks by Speaker of the House, Paul Ryan. Yep. That uh, we as Republicans urge the president to back down on this. Trump met with uh, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu earlier today. Then there were uh, there was some questions went back and forth about NAFTA and trade. Trump said, quote, no, we're not backing down. Um, the. US has been ripped off by virtually every country in the world whether it's friend or enemy close quote then he tweeted on Friday quote when a country parentheses USA parentheses is losing many billions of dollars on trade with virtually every country it does business with trade wars are good and easy to win example when we are down 100 billion with a certain country and they get cute don't trade anymore we win big it's easy exclamation point so who's getting who's getting cute
2: Well, nobody, no one, most people who actually deal in business don't think that trade wars and winning trade wars is easy. That said, if you talk to the steel and the aluminum industry, who have been uh, lobbying for many years now for these tariffs and have been sounding the alarm on what they say is a totally unfair trade policy, um, they'll tell you that they're already in a trade war. At the same time, when when you look at this issue and this question, it impacts more than purely the steel and the aluminum industry. With those tariffs, as as tariffs get get put on external goods coming to the United States, aluminum and steel, that drives up costs on U.S. manufacturers. And when you think about it, those are costs that involve everything from uh, something that comes in a can, whether it's soup or soda, whether it's a car, whether it's building materials. And while the increase in that price, if if those companies decide to pass it along to consumers, for example, while the increase in the price of a, a can of soda might be incredibly small, less than a penny. When you think about that in terms of your yearly budget as a consumer, when you think about that in terms of your yearly budget as a business, those are costs that become much bigger. Plus, what the big concern is with the trade war is that all of a sudden, uh, foreign com- com- uh, countries rather start putting tariffs and taxes on other items for example one of the things that has been uh suggested by the eu is slapping a tariff on harley's that was okay. friday yes, like yes, almost almost yeah.
0: immediately in friday they announced harley davidson uh bourbon yeah uh, uh, uh what else jeans or something like that yeah. a bunch of really uniquely high-profile very very american
2: exactly products so for example Harley Davidson, a Wisconsin company, right back in the back uh, in the backyard of House Speaker Paul Ryan. So you can imagine how there are lots and lots of. Specific jobs and specific questions that all of these manufacturers face, that all of these representatives face in their own communities. And so while it, it's it's one thing to talk about saving American steel and American aluminum, a very worthy cause, there are also all of these other manufacturing companies that say, wait a minute, there's got to be a smarter way potentially to do
0: this. Yeah, okay, so what if, in Trump's words, uh, get cued? If a country is penalizing American imports, then what is the proper response?
2: Well, that's a huge question. That's that's a question of lots and lots of people coming to the table and figuring it out. I mean, the the reality is right now the United States is is paying more than many of our foreign counterparts on uh, a lot of the, the 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 companies that export are paying a lot more to get their products into foreign countries than we're paying to have those same products come to the United States. There's also questions of fairness. The the steel and aluminum industry will tell you that there's, for example, things like uh, there was a story a few years back about a, a Chinese billionaire who was According to the U.S. steel industry, dumping his steel in Mexico so that it could he could get past the laws and get past the tariffs and restrictions and bring that into the world market. So he would he would
0: he would NAFTA it into the U.S. market.
2: Exactly. Exactly. Um,
0: All all right. Well, Milton Friedman, a fairly prominent economist.
2: There's no such thing as a free lunch, is what Milton. Well, he
0: had a phenomenal analogy once. And so, and you went to the America's premier economics university, University <laughs> of Chicago, home home of the Fighting Maroon. Did you know that? When you
2: oh believe me, I know that.
0: Um, Milton Friedman had a great analogy. He he said, "I have a trade deficit with the grocery store down the block. I have been going there for years. I pay them money, and they've never once bought anything back from me." <laughs> and, that, and so, uh, apply that. Is, is that because I know that the tra- the term trade deficit plays well in Iowa and in in the Midwest where people are like, oh, that's wrong. It should be – that's not trade if it's going one way.
2: Well, it's a global economy now, and it's very difficult to get around the fact that it's a global economy. While globalization has definitely been unfair as well as technology to specific groups of people and specific industries, it's very hard to – sort of peel back all of the layers of globalization. And while some policies are aiming to do things like that, for example, tariffs would aim to to help make it more fair, the way that it all works, because it's so intertwined at this point, it's not as seamless as just slapping that tariff and and making things more seamless and, and, and making the world more fair.
0: Uh, all right. We'll take a break. Rebecca Jarvis, ABC News, chief business tech and uh, economics correspondent, talking to us about uh, the market and uh, looming trade war. The president saying uh, they're good. That and more coming up right after this. Brian suits filling in. It's the Gary and Shannon show, KFI AM six forty. More stimulating, stimulating talk. KFI AM six forty. More stimulating talk. The Gary and Shannon show. Brian suits in here until uh, two o'clock. And John Ken. Uh, Rebecca Jarvis uh, is still with us. We're talking about uh, impending trade war. That uh, the president threatened on uh, Friday. Then he uh, met Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu in the, in the White House earlier, and a question was yelled out during the scrum to him. And this is there's a now I don't know if you've heard this, Rebecca, but there's a lot of murmuring in this. But w- what you're going to hear is Trump saying there won't there won't be a war. There's no war, bad war, not going to be a war. So this is this is Trump saying there's not going to be a trade war. Thank you. I don't think you have a trade war. No trade war? I don't think so. I don't think you're going to have a trade war. Now. A All right. So there you go. He says, so Friday he said trade wars are good and you can win them. Today he said, I don't think you're going to have a trade war.
2: And then you see the market respond accordingly.
0: And, yeah, what did it, did it suddenly do the blue angels and start heading for the sky or what?
2: No, I wouldn't say that, but I think that um, that definitely helped. The, the response over the weekend, not just the president's response, but the response over the weekend, it appears, at least in this moment, like the sort of scorched earth plan isn't going to be the plan that's pursued. And that gives Wall Street a little bit of comfort, at least in this moment. But I think the volatility is, is you know, you talk to people, I talk to people on Wall Street every day. The feeling is that the volatility is here to stay uh, for now, and when you look back at last year, this time, we didn't have these wild swings, the ups and downs. And this is a market that's much more on edge than the market of last year.
0: Um, so the uh, college tax credit, uh, have, you, have you seen this, uh, this story? The, the college tax credit saved the typical American family $2,277.
2: Right. The American Opportunity Tax Credit can actually save you as much as $10,000. It applies to undergrads, up to four years of their college education, uh, you get the dollar-for-dollar dollar reimbursement of the first $2,000 you spend towards eligible college expenses in the form of tax reduction. You get an additional 25% credit available on the next $2,000. This is something that when you're looking at taxes, your, your 2017 taxes, uh, whether you're working with somebody, whether you're working with a CPA or an accountant, or you're doing it yourself and you have college expenses, definitely you want to take advantage of this. Absolutely.
0: Um, and uh, Cal- by the way, I, I don't know if you know this, but Cal- Californians, people who have never actually shopped around to other colleges, are unaware of this. But the state of California is a pretty damn good deal for <laughs> oh, college.
2: Absolutely. Any by the way, if you're the home state advantage tends to be a really good deal. If you're, I mean, if you're looking for the lowest price um, university institution, going in state tends to be one of the best
0: options. And, and of all Other, states, California beats you know, the, the rest of them. Yeah, it's a yeah. different league to go to community college here, where mm-hmm. basically you pay a parking fee and mm. and then feed, of like out of Santa Monica College, directly into UCLA. Like my, my, my friend Kennedy on, on Fox News at, at, at 5 p.m. Uh, Pacific mm-hmm. time, she went to Santa Monica College and fed right into UCLA Um, And, I mean, it's a good – so, I mean, of course, take the tax breaks, the whole thing. But whenever I hear Californians complain about the cost of tuition and the word Stanford, you know, is not in the sentence and they're talking about in-state, they have no idea.
2: Yeah. Well, and I will say this as well. If you are a top-performing student and if you aggressively go out and seek scholarships, sometimes pursuing these private institutions like a Stanford – Look, I get that the price tag is massive by comparison to in-state tuition, but there are opportunities in some of these private institutions. If that's your objective and you're a hustler and you can figure it out, a lot of these places actually have – sizable amounts of scholarship money that is available, but you do have to aggressively look for it. And then I would also recommend going out and pursuing, you know, those private scholarships, like, for example, from uh, your local, any local community bank, a lot of community banks have them, local organizations. Um, A lot of the time, if you're a kid and your parents have jobs, their employers oftentimes also give out scholarships. So some of that, while the cost is exorbitant, while there's $1.4 trillion right now in student debt in this country, and it's insane when you look at that number, there are ways that you can lower your own burden.
0: By, by, by God, I fished in Alaska. <laughs> three, yeah. three summers in a row, I yeah. paid for college by, by yeah. crab and herring.
2: Well, there you go. I paid for I paid for a lot of it through scholarships. I paid for a lot of it through summer work. Um And um, and then and just also taking a job out of college. I took a job out of college primarily because of what it would pay me, not because it was my dream job. And I thought, okay, if I can, like, wipe the slate clean on debt after I take this job, then I can go out and pursue whatever job it is that I personally would love to do.
0: Yeah. And the pro tip on Stanford is uh, to be very, very um, the conservative on the parents' total household income and whatever you do, don't check the Asian box because they, they do have scholarship money. They're very, very generous with it. But you have to be sort of – you have to be middle class and, and you have to help their, their – they have a unique diversity problem at Stanford. It's like a reverse diversity problem. But, but there's a way around it. Uh, the uh, Rebecca Jarvis uh, No Limits podcast, who is your guest? We have Tori Birch, the
2: designer. She's built an empire. She also has a foundation uh, that goes towards helping entrepreneurs. We have a big conversation about that. And when you listen to the podcast, she gives a tip for a free conference where you can get advice and feedback directly from her at the end of the podcast. So if you listen to it, you'll get that information and you'll be able to apply to attend this conference for free.
0: All right. That is the uh, No Limits podcast. How do we find that, by the way?
2: You can find it wherever you listen to your podcast. You just go in and search No Limits with Rebecca Jarvis. If you have an iPhone, um, if you have an iPhone and you've listened to podcasts before, then you know where it is. If you haven't, there's this purple button. If you search under apps for podcasts, it'll bring up the purple app. I called it a button, but it's the purple app. You go in there, you search No Limits with Rebecca Jarvis, you find it right away.
0: All right. Well, if uh, Shannon was here, she'd make some booze reference. So uh, (laughs) let's just assume that's been made. Thank you. Uh, Rebecca Jarvis for ABC News, uh, Chief Business Tech and Economic Correspondent. Thanks for joining us. Have a great one. You too. Uh, we'll be back in just a second with uh, Mark Revelard from ABC News. A retrial. Uh, yes, Cosby still in the news. Uh, and uh, we'll uh, check in on that right after this. It is the Gary and Shannon Show, KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. stimulating talk of this is Gary and Shannon show, Brian six filling in for Gary and Shannon. Uh, well, so with all this talk of Harvey Weinstein and potted plants and Hollywood and the whole deal and, and all this confusion, we've lost track of how many people have been caught up in the purvalanche. And uh, one of the originators is uh, rearing its ugly head, and that is Cosby. Um, a Pennsylvania judge rejected a defense motion earlier today to dismiss sexual assault charges against comedian Bill Cosby, <clears throat> uh, agreeing with the prosecution. Uh, so let's check in with ABC's Mark Remillard, who is uh, there. Now, I, I had recalled that there, there is basically only one trial about one sexual assault. The rest have all uh, statute of limitations out. That's, right. So, That's refresh, right. Refresh me on this. What, what was the defense? How, how were they trying to get this thing thrown out before the trial?
1: Well, so everything comes down to at this point uh, the date of when this alleged assault occurred. Andrea Constant, who is the accuser against Bill Cosby, says that the uh, that Bill Cosby drugged and sexually assaulted her in early January 2004. Says it couldn't have happened prior uh, uh, couldn't have happened prior to January 20th. Excuse me, because that's when her cousin moved in. So it had to have happened in January 2004. Now, the statute of limitations, though, comes down to uh, 12 years in Pennsylvania. And so Cosby was arrested on December 30th, 2015. That would be 12 years from December 30th, 2003. So basically, the the defense is arguing that uh, Andrea Constand hasn't given a firm date for when this occurred. It could have occurred before early January when she says it took place. And if so, anything that happened before December 30th, 2003 would then be out of the statute of limitations. So that's part of their argument. And they say that they've got new evidence showing travel documents and phone records that say Cosby wasn't even at home during the time that Andrea Constance says this happened. Uh, But this is now coming down to her testimony and the judge, as you mentioned there, decided not to throw out Uh, the charges and said, you know, we'll let the jury decide whether or not Andrea's uh, testimony in this case is credible. Now what really remains to be decided is just how many accusers are going to be able to take the stand against Cosby. Prosecutors want up to 19 women to come up there and tell their stories, which have all really passed the statute of limitation. That's why there's no criminal charges in those cases.
0: And these are the women, these are the known women who have come forward and accused Cosby of of similar uh, peccadilloes
1: yes yes Assaults. these are women who say yeah who say that he sexually assaulted them that he uh drugged them these kinds of things yeah that that, that he's had so far over 50 accusers of similar behavior
0: um and and the, but one of the issues at the center of today's motion was Cosby's defense attorney said that Andrea Constand uh that wit- witnesses say that a coworker says that she had uh Prior, Andrea Constant said she could earn money by making a false sexual assault allegation against a famous person. And then and then the, the attorney said, quote, you cannot let your witness get up there and say something that comes from the moon. We're asking you to look at all the evidence, close quote. Point in fact, yes, you can. <laughs> that's the thing. It's, that's kind of the point of a trial. You can you can let a witness get up there and lose all credibility. Uh, yeah. They get to yeah. say things that come from the moon. Then Then your job is to show that statement to be false. Exactly
1: and the point is to back up that those claims and and Cosby has said similar things in the past before about how you know uh, insinuations shouldn't you know lead to what he's gone through essentially and but that's kind of exactly what allegations are and then those allegations uh, you know eventually supported by evidence go to trial uh, and so that's exactly the situation that he finds himself in uh, but uh, moving forward with this trial basically uh, it's set to start in April uh, jury selection in uh, late March but as I mentioned there whether or not we see Dozens of women testify, I think, remains the biggest question here, uh, and whether or not, as the prosecution wants, they want to. Set up this pattern of behavior that they believe exists over five decades, uh, while the defense essentially says, "Look, some of these allegations go back to the 1960s. That's practically... In, how do you defend against something like that? How do you know?" And so, there it, we may see the trial get pushed back because the defense says that if they allow these other women to testify, they may request that the trial gets pushed back so they can further investigate those claims and, and build their defense.
0: And and I mean, talk about. Piling on. I mean, what are the odds that there is anyone in the jury pool, anyone with a body temperature who can actually be a registered voter who actually is unaware that that Bill Cosby almost single handedly started the pervalanche?
1: Well, yeah, that's a good question. Exactly. Um, And I think that was part of, um, in any trial like this, that takes place with such a big celebrity is the question of where the trial should take place, how much should jurors know about uh, the case before they're able to serve on a jury. And that's something that when jury selection begins later this month, should the trial still continue on its current path, uh, that's something that you, uh, you would imagine his defense would certainly be asking of jurors is, you know, it doesn't mean that they have to know nothing about the case to sit on a jury, you can know something about the case. I think what it really comes down to is more about whether or not uh, what they know about the case may mean that they're now can no longer be impartial. Uh, And so we've seen that with other big cases with big celebrities in this way. Uh, But you're right. Anybody with uh, anybody in Pennsylvania most likely knows exactly what's happened with uh, a guy who's been seen as America's dad for 50 years.
0: All righty. Well, there we go. The uh, You may have forgotten the past, but the past hasn't forgotten you, as uh, we're all reminded again. Uh, Mark Remillard from ABC News, thanks for joining us. Thank you. All righty. Uh, when we come back, former Trump aide Sam Nunberg was subpoenaed to testify on Friday, uh, uh, apparently a couple hours ago. Uh, about an hour and a half ago, he went crazy, and he called Katie Tur at MSNBC. Then he called CNN. And as we speak, he is going and doing the rounds, making some really wacky statements. And we'll uh, check in on where we are uh, on that. We're we're hours away from Hannity. <laughs> I think it's probably a slam dunk. He'll be there, too. But what he said to MSNBC's Katie Turr is uh, fairly eye-popping. We'll have that for you when we come back. Sam Nunberg, former uh, Trump aide. That more coming up. It is Gary and Shannon, Brian Seed, filling in for the duo they'll uh, maybe be back tomorrow. We don't know KFI am640 more stimulating talk know you want
2: me, but I don't
0: care, baby. KFI AM 640 more stimulating talk it is the Gary and Shannon show. Brian's filling in for Gary and Shannon. I'll be back tomorrow here at uh, 10 a.m. and Gary and Shannon will fill in for Bill Handel. On uh, the morning show, well, is self-immolation redundant? Doesn't immolation mean burning yourself? Uh, Mediaite is asking uh, that, amongst uh, other questions. Former Donald Trump aide Sam Nunberg called into MSNBC uh, just a few hours ago for what turned out to be a wild interview on the Russia investigation. Then he called into CNN um, and uh, he, he appears to be melting down, and uh, he makes it clear that he's, he's not a fan of Donald Trump, but what prompted this well, he was subpoenaed by Robert Mueller's investigation to appear before the grand jury on Friday. and he says he just won't do it, which I think I think if you if you drill down a little bit more on what a uh, special prosecutor's subpoena powers are, I, I think you'll find that you will actually do it. but uh, he not only said, not only has he already said, on tv half an hour ago that donald trump knew of the meeting between the russians and donald junior that kushner was not only present but but had told trump about it all all this i mean he's the guy's incriminating the the, the guy who used he used to work for um <clears throat> that would be donald trump so this is uh, the audio that msnbc just put up and the uh, th- there's a reveal here where he he reveals that he's no fan of donald trump and he feels slighted and thrown out of the bus by trump but no way is he handing over these emails to the Mueller investigation
2: news to report former trump campaign aide sam Nunberg has been called before the grand jury now says he will refuse to go and says he'll refuse to cooperate with handing over any documents uh, sam you join me on the phone are you there
0: hi katie how are you why
2: are you saying no
0: because what they sent me was absolutely ridiculous. They wanted every email I had with Roger Stone and with Steve Bannon. Why should I hand them emails from November 1st, 2015? Because that's subpoena's work. I thinking about this today, Katie. I was preparing it. Should I spend 50 hours going over all my emails with Roger and with Steve Bannon? And then they wanted emails that I had with Hope Hicks, with uh, Corey he, Lewandowski. He goes on. Oh, let, let me let me skip ahead here. Don't want to cooperate. About 30, 30 seconds here, and he did I just f this up? No, I didn't. Uh, all right, it's thinking, it's thinking, it's thinking. Uh, I want to get to the part here where he says where he breaks the news to uh, MSNBC that uh, he is no fan of Donald Trump, which is very curious because he was uh, he was an aide on the uh, on the Trump campaign. Uh, And then here here's the part where um, this is from MSNBC. Let me get to this part here. The audio is not so good. But here, here's what he's going to say. Katie Turr asked, do you think they have something on the president? Here, This is the money shot. This is where what it all boils down to in his call to MSNBC. Do you think they have something on the president? And this guy, instead of hanging up, shutting up, lawyering up, decides to F up. And he says, you'll hear him say, quote, I think they may. I think he may have done something during the election. Please, please. Oh well, I read you the transcript. Um, so anyway, that's <clears throat> that. That is the audio that was said on MSNBC. Uh, I I think they may. I think he may have done something during the election. Uh, and what? And he already said earlier on MSNBC that Trump knew about that that Russian meeting. So this. Is, so I have no clue if if you thought Carter Page that that pop eyed. Uh, f- uh, You know, former Trump associate who was part of the campaign. If you thought he had television meltdowns, then uh, w- wait till you see what what this guy is uh, is doing. And, uh, you know, I'm I'm lucky. I've I've never Questions, been oh, here it is. investigators. I want to hear directly
2: from you. Do you think that they have something
0: on the president? I think they may. Well, I think that he may have done something during the election, but I don't know that. But I don't know that okay so what whatever um so this guy is just a gold mine as he has he's voluntarily uh then uh, then he calls c n n and and jake tapper who who blocked me on twitter by the way still I'm still blocked by jake tapper uh got him to effectively incriminate himself and this this is a guy who says who who says uh, this is what this is what he said uh, to Jake Tapper. He said, quote, Trump very well may have done something with the Russians, close quote. So, and, and plus he thinks he's not going to be dragged. I mean, literally, if, he, if you want to be, if you're subpoenaed and you want to be dragged in front of a grand jury, they will accommodate you. So, anyway, this this aide, Sam Nunberg, who went on to say I'm not a Trump fan because Trump dumped my mentor, Roger Stone. The guy says, I am a uh, An acolyte of Roger Stone, I owe Roger Stone, you know, all this, my career, the whole thing, and the way Trump treated Roger Stone. I am not a fan of Donald Trump, and this this is a guy who was a Trump aide and was uh, served with a subpoena to appear before the the Mueller uh, <clears throat> grand jury on Friday. So we'll see. Is ongoing. There's still plenty of time in the day. The guy is going around the, the all the cable outlets. Melt. If you give him time, he will melt down. On your show, and we haven't even hit East Coast, uh, uh, East Coast time on Fox. So uh, Sam Nunberg is the guy, and uh, the meltdown is very public and is happening as we speak. Uh, all right, Johnny are up next. Brian suits in for Gary and Shannon again tomorrow at 10 a.m. Gary and Shannon will be filling in for Bill Handel right here on KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk.